Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to episode four of A Pen and a Napkin. I am your host, Marty Plum, and we want to welcome you to a weekly, to the weekly coaching clinic that you can have in your pocket. I am so excited for this episode. This is going to be an awesome conversation. It is literally, <laughs> it is literally a conversation 30 years in the making, 35 years in the making. I don't know. The math is starting to get a little fuzzy, but uh, this is a podcast that uh, has been going on. We're just officially putting it on record since uh, the mid to late 80s or so. Um, but I'm going to keep that a little bit of a secret for just a couple more minutes. Um, first thing I want to do, I want to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, which is just off of 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi are there for all of your chiropractic needs, and they are the absolute best. I've been going to them for almost 15 years, and they have always, always, always treated me like royalty. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check them. You can check out their practice at Cossack Chiro. That's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O dot com, or make an appointment. Or to make the appointment, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure to tell them that you heard about Cossack Chiropractic from a pen and a napkin. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not followed us on Twitter yet, please do so. Search a pen and a napkin. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so please, please, please follow us there. Also, we are on SoundCloud. We are working on getting on iTunes. Hopefully with this episode, finally, we will get this on iTunes. But please download it if you get the opportunity to rate it, if you get an opportunity to forward it to people. Uh, coaches, please let other coaches know about this. The biggest thing we want to do is help other coaches become better coaches and to perfect their craft. So if you can rate it, give it five stars. Uh, tell your friends about it. We want to gain momentum in the ratings so that we can help as many coaches as we possibly can. If you'd like to email the pod, please do so at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions or questions you would like answered on the pod, please don't hesitate to reach out to us and we will do our best to address that in future podcasts. Who would have thought that 30-ish years ago, these two idiots would be... <laughs> on the this thing called the internet talking about basketball when they were sitting in the back of John Doley's geometry classroom at Sheldon Community High School in Sheldon, Iowa. Coach Dick Jungers from New Wolf Honda. Are you're in the Hall of Fame, aren't you, Dick? No, I I'm not in the Hall of Fame. But uh I am the Golden Plaque uh, distinguished coach uh was recognized for that in 2017, so I don't know. I've had a very, very blessed and fortunate career so far. I thought oh, that's what that was. I remember you, you know, being recognized and everything. I, I couldn't remember if that was a Hall of Famer or or not. So I, I could refer to you at the next class class uh, reunion as Hall of Famer. You know, the Hall of Famer walking into the building. Well, I don't know if that that necessarily fits, but uh, um, 
we'll take it. I'll, I'll take that at a class reunion. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> There's a lot of things we would take at a class reunion. So <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> you are kind of you're kind of dating us when you're starting to say thirty years ago. Uh yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, see, thirty years ago, we yeah we were just uh, we were just getting our driver's license, and that's that's when all hell broke loose. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, lucky for the both of us that you know we fell in love with a game called basketball and uh, moved our careers forward. Uh, well, <laughs> we had to move a lot of things forward uh, around <laughs> that time. Uh, just thank God that there was no YouTube or, or Instagram or any of that stuff because uh, um, I'm not so sure our, our records would be as clean as, as what they are uh, legally now anyway. Well, I'm just going to say, uh, you know, some, some things that um, we remember as, you know, fun, exciting memories, but sometimes it's good to keep those in the, in the history background. <laughs> yes, and that is exactly what we are going to do with this podcast here. But no, Dick, thanks so much for coming on here. I appreciate it. Um, I owe you. I owe you big time here. I'll take care of you at the next class reunion. Uh, just want to go through your resume here real quick. Um, varsity girls basketball coach for 18 years at uh, Newell Fonda High School in Iowa, um, a career record of 366 wins, 68 losses, uh, seven, or 10 state tournament appearances, uh, four runner-up, and two state championships, uh, but also highly successful in softball as well. Um, 13 years as a softball coach, uh, head coach, uh, 410 wins, 150 losses, seven state tournament appearances, uh, three runner-up, and one state championship in softball. So you're doing some things right, my friend. You have done some things right for a long time. Well, thank you. I, I've been very blessed, and I think the, the softball story is kind of an interesting one. Uh, when I graduated from Buena Vista University in 1996, uh, my first job opportunity came in a little town called Mercer, Missouri, and for in order for me to, for them to hire me, I had to take on head boys and head girls softball, and so uh, I spent most of my summer uh, learning how to play the game of softball, and um, I never played baseball. Uh, we grew up on the farm, as you know, you, you probably uh, so much remember uh, the farm life with us. But, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, I had to... I bought five books and learned how to. I learned how to pitch. Um, Sheldon had a, a successful softball pitcher that recently graduated. I worked with her a couple times. She showed me kind of the ropes, and I had to teach myself how to pitch and hit and all that good stuff. And you know, it turned into a, a fun little career for me. Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I thought you would. How much of the old slow-pitch softball days did you bring to your softball coaching career? Well, you know, one thing I think is always interesting, we none of us know what we don't know. Yeah. You know, and uh, and so, like, uh, yeah, I could feel the ball or catch a ball or whatnot, hit slow-pitch, but teaching it, holy smokes. I mean, as you know, you know, teaching something is way harder than playing something. And so, uh, you know, and I think – when coaches learn how to be great teachers, that's when success really starts taking off. And, you know, I, I teach myself quite a few tricks to learn um, how to coach softball. And, uh, you know, and it just it just carried over to other areas as well. 
when you went to Newell, was that part of the deal too? <laughs> no. Okay. No. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, no. Um, okay. Newell had a middle school social studies opening, mm-hmm. and I applied for it and uh, really clicked with the committee and. Um, and that was kind of an interesting story. I was an assistant coach at Mercer for assistant boys. And one of the reasons I wanted to come to Newell Fonda is in 97, both the boys and girls teams were in the state championship game. And the girls fell short mm-hmm. and the boys won the state title in 97. And I was like, man, if I want, I, I, didn't, I knew I had a long ways to go to be a head coach, but I, I was very passionate about being a head coach. And so, uh, I came to Newell Fonda and, uh, I didn't care which coaching staff would take me on. Uh, Paul Luce ended up taking me on, and I was uh, an assistant under him and learned a lot about the game of basketball through him. And uh, Jody Mask was the girls' coach, and, of course, you watch the girls' game because in Iowa, the girls play in front of the guys um, on 98% nights. And, uh, shoot, I learned a lot about basketball uh, those four years as Paul Luce's assistant. What were, um, you know, two or three important things that you took from Paul? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. Both teams pressed, but the girls, uh, they ran a lot of zone presses, and yeah. Paul ran a lot of man-to-man presses. So, uh, you know, uh, he'd, uh, Jody would run a full-court 1-2-1-1 and fall back into some 2-2-1, and uh, Paul ran a lot of man-to-man jump and run, and he, he too, would run some 2-2-1. So um, the pressing teams, the up-tempo style, uh, both teams like to push the ball. Uh, and back in those days, uh, you know, they really were the mercy, that, you know, the – once you get by 35, the continuous clock. I remember a year where the girls scored, I think, over 100 points 10 times uh, in the five-on-five game, just pressing and uh, good transition. I mean, they had some great teams, and, and the boys were doing a bunch of the same things, but uh, but they had different philosophies for it. So talk about a blessing. If you want to learn a lot about the game, you know, you have two highly successful coaches, and it's, it's just being displayed every game night. So that would be the, the, sec- the second thing I learned, and the third thing is, you know, how to, how to work together and manage teams um, was a big thing. You know, like when you have, you know, when you have 20 kids go out for basketball or 30 kids go out for basketball, they go out for basketball because they want to play. But, you know, all those conversations on, you know, all right, these seven rows to the top or these eight and these are the five starters and, you know, how to manage all of that uh, was, a, was a great teaching tool with Paul. And, you know, the good thing with Paul, we both taught the middle school and our lunch breaks were at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we had a coaching clinic every day. So, so like I said, it was, it was a, a great experience for me and I learned a lot and was able to apply it. When you're talking about managing your, your teams, what, what were a couple of key takeaways that you took from, from Paul as far as how to manage your groups? You know, uh, you know, like little, little details like, all right, in this situation, uh, you might want this player on the floor versus this player. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe you want a third ball handler on the floor instead of a, uh, an aggressive rebounder. Uh, maybe you want a, a second post player on the floor. And then having those conversations with the kids to recognize that, you know, through scouting, this might give us a better advantage to win against this type of team. And the next night, we might call someone else's number and use this because we needed a third guard in the lineup. Or, you know, and, and that's kind of how that developed. So, and that just translates all the way through his entire program. Mm-hmm. Another person um, that I know was really influential on you, and and obviously, unless you grew up where we grew up, you you don't know this person. Uh, but he was a great man, uh, John Shoup. Uh, 
who was yeah. who was your junior high coach. You went to the Catholic school. I went to the public school, and then you know you're you know after eighth grade, you and 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 Dave went over to the public school for high school. Uh, but we didn't play against each other, even though we were in the same town. We never played an organized game against each other or anything like that. Um, but John Shoup was your uh, was your junior high coach, um, and I yep. know he was very influential on you. I think for our for our coaches that are listening that are uh, you know junior high coaches or helping out with a feeder team with younger groups, you know, talk about the influence that John Shoup had on not only your coaching career, but also your, your life, um, after, after, you know, and it's been 30 years since, since you've had him as a teacher and a coach. You know, uh, I'm glad you brought John up because he was a great man. He, he wanted all the kids, he became a principal as well at, um, St. Pat's, but he wanted all kids to be great people, good people, nice people, um, and that's how he lived his life. And as a basketball coach, he was so intense. Uh, he was—he just wanted to get out. He'd love to play with us if he could. Yeah. You know? And he just—he yeah. was just one of those guys. You get after people. You give it your best the entire time. And and my goodness, if you didn't give it your best, he would call you out on it. And mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, um, he was just a great person. I just remember some of the post game talks. Even if the game didn't go in our favor, he was positive. He didn't—he didn't run us down and say. Um, this is the reason why you lost because you didn't do this or that. He was more of a man. If we would have made a couple more shots in this situation, we would have won that game. Or he was just very positive that way. And, and I'm telling you, he was just a, a great man. Yeah. I, I, you know, when I when I've been around your program a little bit the last year or so, you know, I can still see some things that you do that are definitely influenced by John. Don't you think? I mean, even if you don't even, I see it. I don't know if you consciously or subconsciously do it, but I, I see it. You know, and I, I guess I don't, th- I get so dialed in, I don't, I guess I don't necessarily think like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you catch me before a game or right after a game, I'm just dialed in. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's just that level of intensity and focus and, and I want to mile that for the kids because, you know, I always tell it to our kids when they, when you walk in the gym, you leave the problems of the world outside the gym doors. And when you walk out of the gym, leave the problems of the gym yeah. in the gym. And step back into your reality. It's an escape. And, and of course, I want that to be a positive escape. I want them to recognize yeah. that on game night. Man, someday you're going to be my age. And there's some opportunities here that you don't even realize are opportunities, you know, until you get much older and the wisdom comes out. But uh, I, I always want that for our kids. Yeah. Um, so you're with, you're with Coach Luce for four years. And then uh, Coach Mosk, that's how you say it, right? Mosk, Jody Mosk. Mask. Mask. Jody Mask uh, decides to hang it up. And they're really successful, as you said. You know, m- multiple state tournaments, run and gun, flying around, doing all these other things. Um, how, how, I don't want to say difficult of a transition, but, but, you know, kind of tell our listeners just uh, stepping in for, uh, a really, really good coach that had a whole lot of success in a community that's used to success. You know, um, what was what was that like for you? You know, uh, it's interesting, uh, and we'll probably talk about Kevin Larson, my assistant. Um, uh, not if we don't have to. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, Kevin, Kevin was taking the head coaching job at Palmer Palmer at that time, 
and uh, he just he made a comment to me like, "Are you sure your your shoes are big enough to, or your feet are big enough to fill those shoes, or you know, and whatnot?" And and again, uh, anybody that knows me that knows that I'm going to work hard and give it my best. And uh, if my best isn't good enough, sometimes you tip your hat. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't aim for the stars, you don't get to the stars. And uh, I just thought that uh, when that opportunity opened up, I put my name in it and eventually uh, did get the nod there. And um, and I guess, uh, you know, coaches tend to put a lot of pressure on themselves. But I, I did know some things that um, I felt would give us a chance to be successful. Like uh, Jody liked to run the one three one zone defense. And so that first year, I didn't want to necessarily uh, – uh, change everything. I want the girls to have comfort. Um, I'm uh, pretty much a motion man, and so we gen- gently introduced the motion concepts, um, mm-hmm. the adjustments that I knew how to coach the game with, um, aligning to the skill sets of the players, and we started with man-to-man as well, but uh, the girls really felt comfortable in that one-three-one. but we gradually transitioned them to man-to-man, and we had great success with that in the presses. Um, we ran the same presses that Jody ran for a little while because the girls were comfortable with that while we were building in the man-to-man concepts, which a lot of things that Jody did translate very well to man-to-man. And so that helped a lot. But like those types of things um, were, I guess, uh, some challenges. But, you know, you got to come with the right mind frame and they'll help create a good plan and, and implement that plan. And as far as the pressure from like parents, community, um, I was already the head softball coach and we were – I'm starting to build our program at the same time. And, and with that, you know, people knew me as a coach already. Mm-hmm. So I think that that helped. And, um, and I've been lucky, had great people helping and I've always been a strong communicator. You know, I don't, uh, I don't, I guess, I guess I don't really uh, not tell it how I see it. And, and I guess that, that always helps. I always feel like that's better to do it that way than to surprise and blindside. How important was you? Was it for you? Because I, I, I've seen this happen uh, many times before, um, and people walk away and they're 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 upset, angry, you know, so forth and so on. Um, you had laid the the groundwork to be the head coach at Newell Fonda long before you were the head coach there, and I'm not, you know, by no means am I saying that. Uh, you were doing so, anything nefarious or anything like that. What I mean by that statement is you worked your butt off to show people that you were ready. And I think a lot of times, don't you think that uh, people put in some time and then the, when, the, when the opportunity comes along, they're not nearly as prepared for it as they should be, don't you think? You know, I think that's a, a great way to look at it. I think something little like scouting, I shouldn't say little, because scouting can eat up a lot of time, but like those first few years, I I spent a lot of time scouting, um, and of course I put a scouting report in for every game, and... Um, this, was, this was live scouting, this isn't huddle, sitting in, yeah, your, it, sitting in your basement, scouting. you know, um, you're, you're driving well, all over Northwest Iowa doing this. What was nice though, I, I had a, a group of colleagues that would also go out and videotape games for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I always relied on videotape. I didn't bring a pen and paper because you miss so much. And I know, uh, you know, now when you do this for as long as I've been doing it and as you've been doing it, you can, you can, you can scout a game much quicker. You can rewind, fast forward, whatever. Uh, but those first, first couple of years, you know, just, 
jotting down every detail. What could be the difference in that game? And that's kind of how my mind works. Like, all right, this team's really good here. How do I make that more tough? How do we make it tough for them? You know, their studs probably going to score 30 points. Um, how do I make that tougher so that it takes more shots to do that? Or, you know, and, and doing that and then teaching the girls how we were going to do that um, is kind of a, a gift that I've had. But, you know, Paul uh, was another one that was very anal about the scouting piece. Like, this is what they do. And, you know what, if you don't learn how to control this and that, you're going to just get steamrolled. Yeah. And so um, I, I think that that's, a, that's a, a very important thing that you brought up there. Don't you think – um, I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to learn how to do to become a head coach. But I know one thing that, and, and you and I are kind of both the same way. You had it with Paul. I had it with Mike Power. Um, if you want to be a head coach from the point of view of X's and O's, volunteer to do a lot of scouting because you're going to learn how to attack a lot of different opposing defenses and you're going to learn how to defend against a lot of different offenses and it helps you develop your philosophy and it forces you to think how am I going to handle this before you're in the situation where you have to handle it I've always thought that and I've always been thankful to Mike uh, for that you know a long time ago where he said hey you know take this and run with it and do with it what you what you want and um, and just come back to me and just don't screw, just don't screw it up. It's kind of the instructions <laughs> I had. Don't screw it up. Oh, well, hey, okay, don't you know? Uh, but don't you think that that's that's the biggest thing that that you need to that? Or I, I shouldn't say that's the biggest thing, but that's a big part of the on the floor preparation for the job. Well, and and I think uh, you know if you want to be highly successful, that's a major piece. Now, I you know I can't say that every coach out there wants. To, I mean, they may want to be successful, but they may not create the time to, um, you know, really analyze things. I, I think here's another little thing that, that I do, and it, it teaches me more about my team than any is, um, after every game, uh, we, we'll, we'll, we're going to break down the game tape. We're going to stat it out. Yep. We do this. We do our own stats because it, it, you're going to watch the game anyway. Yep. And then the second thing is, um, I, I do, I, I jot down the adjustments the other team's coach made because they saw something that they thought would be successful against us. Mm-hmm. And and when I look at things like that, you know, a lot of times you get so focused on your team that even after you just played, maybe, maybe you won a, a buzzer beater game or whatnot. It's a back and forth game. What were the key details that allowed you to win? But what was that other coach doing for adjustments that gave you a hard time? Yeah. And uh, I think that's just another thing to look at. I, I usually watch one of our game tapes after we played two, at, two for sure, and sometimes three times, um, especially when you're going up against and, and, you know, like on your schedule when you coach, you know, you, you're going up against a dozen other coaches that just really know the game, and they're, yeah. they're just, you know, they're, they're outstanding coaches. Well, they're teaching you things about your team, too, and, and I, I make sure that I'm capturing those lessons. Yeah, 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 you know, uh, What's it? I'm gonna sound like George W. Bush here. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Is that the way it's supposed to go? I, I think I think you're absolutely right. Yes. Okay. I don't care. That's the way it's gonna go right now. So, uh, um, so you take over. Um, how long? How long? You know, for again, this is a question for our coaches that might be taking over a program. How long did it take for you to feel like the program was truly yours? 
You know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think every situation might be different because, like, uh, the upperclassmen in the previous system, they were really nervous with the new coaching change because, sure. A, will I play? Will, I, will, they, will he value the same um, things that Coach Math valued? And, and you know, you got to take that into consideration. But then on the other hand, um, if you're starting to implement new things, you want to create the best team possible. And that's where, like, I know – you know, some programs might reward seniors because they, you know, they put all the time in over the years. But if you have a young kid that can actually give you a, a chance to win on certain nights, um, my philosophy is between the, all, all 15 girls in this locker room, we got to find a way to create the best lineup for that night. And, um, and so, you know, that's, that's something that's always leaning out there. And I think the second thing is, I know – and I, I can still chart. It takes about a year and a half at high school game speed at the varsity level to master the man-to-man concepts that we have in in place. Now, young kids can still play it, but I just know is that is that offense or defense? On defense, man-to-man okay. defense. It just okay. takes. It seems like it takes about a year and a half for the for them to master the rotations. And and I'm talking. We we work on this every single day, you know. And uh, but the the game speed of varsity is so much different than what they played us at. Um, eighth grade, or you know, a, sure. you know, JV, and and so you know, knowing that, it, it, that's where you're gonna have to be patient. They, you know, I think some sometimes we want our kids to be perfect, but perfection is probably never gonna be a, an attainable goal. Yeah, you, you you try to strive for perfection in an imperfect game, like it's literally, like in baseball, you can throw a perfect game. You literally can say they call it a perfect game, and you can strive <laughs> to do that. You know. Uh, it's it's impossible to do in basketball, but yet you're striving for that perfection, you know. Um, so what do you think it was? Two years, three years that it took you to before? Really, for me, it was at probably three years before I really felt like it was completely mine, you know. Okay. You know, uh, just and, and there were there were circumstances in there with uh, just some certain situations and. And, you know, I, you know, changing some of the philosophies and, and whether mine was right or wrong, um, that's not the, the issue or anything like that. It was just, you know, that's just some things that I felt like we needed to. But for that to really kind of get in there and really stick and really felt like, okay, this is 100% complete. I, I, thought it, I thought after year three, I really felt like, okay, this is going exactly in the direction that I intend for it to go, you know. You know, uh, I think uh, one one difference for me than maybe your situation, I already coached a lot of the same core group of kids in softball. Sure. So now they're having me for two sports. So I think that might have made my situation just a little bit different. So I'm working with these girls, you know, and, like, if you want a good softball program, you've got to put time into pitching. Pitching's probably 85% of the game of softball. Yeah. So if you don't have good pitching, you can have these solid everywhere else. You'll be a 500 team. Mm-hmm. Um, so – I had these strong relationships with the kids already, so I think that helped my transition goal. Maybe um, you know where I, it felt like mine, and, and then of course I'm in control of this huge calendar for yeah. the year on on all the things that we have going on, and um, and being highly organized helped with that. But like you know, when you have to do open gyms and pitching lessons and weights and agilities, and you, you start spending a lot of time with these kids, they buy in. Um, they I have them in the classroom as well, and so. Uh, I think those were things that, um, you know, just they give you an edge in building that relationship piece. Yeah, you know, my, you know, you slid over from boys program 
to the girls head coach. I was the assistant coach that slid into the head coaching position, you know, so they're similar slides, but I think you're right in that sense that they had seen you as a head coach, uh, before that. And, and you'd kind of established, you know, some of those philosophies and, and, and a lot of that's going to be transferable between the two sports. Um, when you're talking about communication, organization, that type of stuff. So, you know, yours probably did have the opportunity to go a little bit quicker than mine did in that, in that sense, in that regard. So, um, yeah, and, go ahead. And, you know, I think with our, the way our community is so passionate about basketball, I think, uh, um, you know, going to state that first year, uh, we, we won a regional final and went to state. And I think when that when something magical like that happens, it's like, well, <laughs> this is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I look really smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and did I make a lot of mistakes that year? I sure did. <laughs> what's, what's uh, if you could go back and, and change, you know, like if you think back those, especially those first couple of years, what were a couple of mistakes that you you know, thought were very important to correct? You know, uh, if, if I could go back knowing what I know now, A, there's some strategies that I would have probably, of course, we all evolve as coaches. And, uh-huh. um, you know, the, the teams I had early on were very good. They're very hardworking teams. Um, but, you know, maybe some of the strategies we were employing in the games, uh, maybe we could have made some tweaks there. So there'd be some things like that um, that would be um, something there. Uh, you know, and the other thing is, you know, just that balance of time, you know, you, when you do it, when you spend a lot of time, you know, coaching and you're, you're basically married to it mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just being a little more organized, a little bit more efficient with some of the things that, you know, that we did to, to make our team better. Carla used to, the, oh, sorry. Um, Carla no, used go ahead. Oh, Carla used to call it single mom season. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and there's, yep. and there's some truth to it, you know, um, that, you know, you know, just as well as I do, you get up early, you know, even if it's just a, a regular day, you're getting home at six thirty, seven o'clock and, you know, and you're definitely not leaving it behind a lot of the time when you get there or when you do get home and, and that type of stuff. So I, I do agree with you there. Um, you were talking about um, the Newell Fonda community, and I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, you've been there for a long time. Uh, your your sister your your brother in law um, works in the community as well. Um, you know, just just talk a little bit about because you know you're you're not talking about a short run. You're talking about a long term run between you and Coach Mask, and not only yep. with girls basketball but the boys basketball has been highly successful for a long time, along with other activities. You know so. You know what is what has made the community so special? You know, I think uh, when the, the two towns merged, uh, I think it was like '89 or '90. That was before I even graduated from high school, and you graduated from high school. Uh, it, it was kind of interesting because when you, if, if you ever get a chance to step into our competition gym, there's just banners galore, and our banners are for state tournament appearances. Yeah, uh, when teams qualify for state, and and you you saw that. I mean, we have numerous banners for football, a few for baseball. Um, we're now on double figures for boys basketball, girls basketball, and softball. And so we've, we've just been truly blessed um, over the years. And, you know, our community, uh, you know, hardworking farming community, uh, the kids are very passionate about their basketball. Uh, the parents are very passionate about their basketball. And, you know, when, when we have scrimmages, if it's open to the public, we got 
people that just come in to check the teams <laughs> out and it's just, uh, no, I, yeah, I mean, when, when I was up there last summer, I mean, there people were like camping out, you know, just hanging out all day in the gym watching high school basketball, you know, and that's unique. That's really unique. Well, and I, I know that the teams that come, like for our shootout, usually we have, uh, you know, 20 or more teams come, but man, there's days that there might be, there might be a couple hundred people in the gym just checking out the, the, the teams that are there and. I don't know. It, it is. I should charge them. If I was smart, I'd be charging them and getting a little money on the side there. But uh, they, they come to just check out some basketball. Apparently, you've never taught at a Catholic school because at Catholic school, you charge for everything. Well, you, you should learn I, that I, lesson. I, I just remember going to Catholic school until eighth grade. And I think, I think, is it like, don't you ever have a fundraiser like every six weeks? Or I don't know. It's. Uh, a a little bit of fundraising going on there. Yeah, just a little bit, but you know, it's <laughs> it's it's all tuition driven, you know, and 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 you gotta you gotta support yourself, and and there's there's pluses and minuses to uh, to both systems, you know, uh, whether it's a public oh, yeah. school I, or, that or a yeah, that was Oh, I know, I know, I know. Trying to be funny about my my memories of Catholic school. Yeah, well, you know, um, you you got through it. You got through it. No, no help I'm from better, no help from your I'm brother. Because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's I think it's interesting. You know, you were talking about the community, and it's a it's a very rural farming community. Uh, both Newell and Fonda are about what six seven hundred people apiece ish. Yep. Yeah. You know, but you know your family. You're you're the son of a farmer of a hardworking guy. Uh, you know. How many how many nights did I come out and help you and Dave and Robert with some chores and and stuff like that? And I think, um, you know, you've you know you've found a place that in many ways the you can look at those kids and say, I was one of you, you know, and 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 I grew up exactly the same way that that you're growing up, and I and I think that's a great connection that you have with your kids. It is, and uh, you know, I think the you know the other factor is like. When, when kids want to work hard and their, their coaches work hard for them, um, and they, they recognize that, our community recognizes that, it just, it, you know, it just all kind of seems to come together. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of where we've been very fortunate. So you, you, keep, you keep getting down to Des Moines. You keep getting down to the barn, as they used to call it back before Wells Fargo came about, um, the old auditorium. But you, you, you couldn't quite get over that hump. You know, was there some frustration there? Were you just like, you know, were you at a point where you're like, God, is this going to happen for us? Are, are we going to, are we going to get over this hump? You know, was, was there ever, I don't, I don't want to call it self-doubt, but maybe a little bit of frustration or am, am I always going to be the bridesmaid and never the bride type of a thing? You know, it's, it's interesting. I've been asked that similar forms of that question over the years quite a bit. And um, I guess, you know. One thing that I always want to point out, just to get to state, it, that's that's tough. I mean, yeah. I, some of our toughest games were regional final games, or yeah. you know, maybe a, a hard fought first round game at state, or um, you know, once you get to state, I mean, everybody's good, and yeah. sometimes you find ways to win. Sometimes the other team just makes a few more plays, and um, I, all I know is we played in a lot of close ball games um, where, where we fell short. And, uh, of course, I break down the game tape over and over again looking for things. And, you know, sometimes you just have to tip your hat. The other team, they yeah. were just 
they were, they just made a few more plays. And, you know, and I think the other thing is, you know, I've, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be a head coach in 10 state championship games. And, and, uh, we, we've, we've punched our way through three times. Um, and I, I always made sure the kids felt after one of those bridesmaid types of, uh, games that, my gosh, we gave it our best. You know, no matter yeah. what happened tonight, our season was going to come to an end. We're playing in the last game of the season, no matter what. The whole state of Iowa is watching us, and it was you there. You know, there's 360 teams that would love to trade places with you to be in this locker room in this fine facility. Most kids never get a chance to experience playing at the state tournament, and you guys got to play three. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, these these types of questions do tug at my heartstrings because like we've had some fantastic teams that fell a little bit short but my goodness uh what those teams overcame to even get to that point um and you know every team has adversity throughout the season uh to create those opportunities i guess uh i just i just see it as a, as a blessing another lesson um you know and just a, another great experience and, and we've had a ton of great experiences over the years well, well you brought up fantastic teams and the the team that you just coached was absolutely fantastic in in every sense of the word um you know i got a chance to to come up and watch them play and i was just floored by the athleticism by the by the basketball iq um you know you go through undefeated and i don't think you didn't have a game that was decided under single digits last year, did you? Uh, I, I came you know close what? a couple times, I think. I think but... South Central Calhoun, that might have been a, that maybe a ten point game. Yeah, so you're probably right. Yeah, you know, you you really had, and and I told, you know, the the night I went up, you know, to watch your team play, and and then the next night I went up and, and went back home and I was telling our buddies from back home, they were like, well, how good is your team? I said, I really honestly think this, and I don't mean this as a slight to anybody here. I thought your team would be, I thought your team would win the class B state championship in Nebraska and you're a class one, a school. So you'd be playing, you know, at least two classes up. I thought you would win class B in Nebraska by, by double digits. That's, that's how impressed I was with, with your kids, you know, and, and you had this opportunity to coach this, uh, you know, statistically and the final result and everything, kind of this dream season of just, you, you just, you guys just had it, whatever it is, you had it, um, you know, just kind of describe this past season and, and what it was like to coach, uh, this group of kids. You know, I think, uh, the previous year, we lost the championship game. Our only loss of the season, um, we lost to Springville, who had a, a dynasty run. They, they won three state titles in a row. And actually, we won the state title in 2015 against that Springville team. So, you know, actually, Springville hasn't lost the state tournament since 2015 to Noel Fond, and they, they lost in the first round of the state tournament. So we ended their chance mm-hmm. at a four-year run, and that team was um, dynamic. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, in our last... You know, two seasons we've lost one game and it had to be a state championship game. But uh, this group of kids, I, I'm just going to tell you, uh, they're just fun. They're just fun to be with every single night. They they work hard. Uh, there's no pouting or moping. They're they're not selfish. They're willing to make the extra pass. And when you talk about the 
the it factor. You know, I have I've I've been fortunate over the years that most of my teams, you know, I, I feel like we have a chance to win every time we go on the floor. And uh, just because they work hard, uh, they develop their skills, they develop their knowledge, and they're just they're just smart and fundamentally sound. And you know, when I when I talk to other coaches, this is a conversation that usually comes up. You know, man, would you rather have a is it, is it easier to guard speedy teams or is it easier to guard big teams? You know, I said, well, the hardest, to me, the hardest thing to guard is knowledge. Mm-hmm. Those smart players on the floor that can just understand the game, that's the hardest thing to guard because yeah. they counter everything you throw at them. Yeah. And uh, this team, you know, teams that run zones, they run combination defenses, um, they run, you know, some good man-to-man, and this team always found ways to make plays and score, and, um, of course, our defense was unbelievable. Uh, but they're just, they come in and just, I, mean, I don't know, it's like a gnat storm. Yeah. <laughs> no. They get their hands on the ball and, the, the, so, I don't know. Just it, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, you. I, I, as I say this, I, I by no means do I need to. Do I mean this in a in a negative connotation in any way, shape, or form? Um, but you were talking about knowledge, and the, and that's the hardest thing to to defend or to to work against. You honestly um, didn't have to coach a lot of the intricacies of the game with this last group that you've had the last couple of years uh, because they just played great basketball and just had that knowledge uh, to make the adjustments without you having to coach it. You didn't have to coach those things. You know, does that make sense? Well, I, I think, you know, I, I think I know what you're saying. And uh, and I, um, and I know that's came, that, that, that came through repetition and drilling and working on it in practice and working on it with your feeder programs and, and things like that, but, you know, really smart kids, really good athletes, you know, I knew that question was going to suck, so I apologize for that one, but, but do you understand what I'm saying is you just, you know, those kids do, just adjusted, um, adjusted so well to everything that, that was thrown at them. Well, and, and, you know, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to some Paul Luce here too, because I think some people had the, you know, when Paul Luce had his great teams at Newell Fonda, um, that they just rolled the ball out. You know, he won four state titles. I was an assistant on his 1999 and 2000 state title teams. That's what people would say. That's when, the farthest thing from the practice, truth, yeah. yeah. When they went to practice, you know, uh, he's just he's just teaching the counters, you know, and yep. that's what we do too. Like, yep. uh, you know, when they do this, they, they're taking this away. What does it open up? And, you know, over time when, you know, and, and again, if you ever talk to me about practices and organizing practices, I am just – I am super hyper anal about making every minute, every second matter on knowledge and skills of the game. And, uh, you know, we fill every minute of every practice with those types of things so that hopefully on game night, it doesn't look like I'm coaching, but we did all the, we did all the busy work in practice to hopefully get them ready for those opportunities in the game. Don't give away the second half of the podcast just yet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Come on now, sure you got you work work with the programming here, Jungers. Work with the programming <laughs> here. So hey, I, I I don't have the script. I don't have the script yet. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's right here in front of me. I don't know how you didn't get it. So um, I'm just reading your thoughts now. Uh, I forgot what's next. <laughs> oh, you, you, are you like Obi Wan Kenobi? Uh, uh, you know, on the other side of the line here. These are not yeah, the yeah, these are not the, something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we are going to transition here a little bit for our for our loyal listeners. They know uh, at a certain point in the in the pod, 
we go into the Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, and I and I think, you know, um, on Kevin Sheaf's, I just picked out a random quote. And then as we were talking, I was like, man, this quote fit, fits perfectly. And, and for you, Dick, uh, kind of the same thing here. Uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day. Discover your gift, develop your gift, and then give it away every day. Uh, and I think that's I, I think that really says a lot about you and who you are as a coach and as a person. Uh, discover your gift, develop your gift, and then give it away every day. I see you around your kids. I see you around your community, and 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 that's you. I, I think if that's you know one statement as a, as a friend of yours for you know thirty years, um, you know just I'm I'm so. Uh, proud of you as a friend for for um, just seeing you in action. Uh, the the few times I've been able to come up and visit you up there, um, just I, I see you doing those things, and I think that's um, you know, I, I think that just wraps up so many things about the the type of person and type of coach that you are and why you are so successful with what you do. So, well, thank you for saying that. I sure appreciate that, and you know, I think this goes way back and. Um, you, you, I'm going to age you a little bit here. And well, you're remember, you're you're eight days older than me, so I am, you are technically I, older. So I still remember when you got hired at Gothenburg, Nebraska. <laughs> oh, jeez. And um, you ran a summer camp and uh, invited me out to to help at that summer camp. That was and a good time. That was a that was a fun week for me. Uh, I just enjoyed, of course, uh, got to hang out with you and your family, and uh, got to teach some basketball and learn some things from. Uh, Coach Plum, and uh, it was like I said, that was a fun week. But uh, you know, you're talking about giving that gift, and I, I think coaches, you know, I just know when coaches call me, or just like when coaches call you, man, the conversation's always fun and always willing to help each other out. I've never met a coach that I asked a question to that they just wouldn't answer it. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and you know, that just goes back to I still remember another time, and I can't remember, I, I just remember we were in Sioux City. At a table, uh, I can't remember which tavern we were in, and it was you, me, Jamie Sale, and Mike Power sitting at a table and just talking basketball. I was I wasn't talking basketball; I was just listening and trying to soak up all the knowledge of of you three. Uh, but that was holy smoke! That's probably been twenty five years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. Mike you had probably when when Mike was the head coach and Jamie and I were his assistants. You know, so yep. you know that's 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 been a ways, and that was. Uh, such a wonderful experience, you know, um, the three of us together, and uh, we actually kind of reminisced on that a couple of months ago between the three of us, and I'm not going to go into the details of that. That was a pretty personal conversation that the three of us had, but uh, it was it was good. It was it was good. So, you know, um, there's there's been a lot of positives of, of, of stepping away, uh, but one of the things that I do miss is just those kind of consistent conversations, you know, and, and having that type of stuff, and and, you know, I'm just trying to, with this podcast, trying to take those conversations and, and, and give it away to other people. You know, like I said at the top of the broadcast, you know, um, you and I have had these conversations for a long, long time. We're just now putting it um, some, you know, on record here or on technology. And we're going to let everybody else listen into to what we're talking about. So um, that's the cool part about it. You know, uh, you know, it, it's just, you know, for us, it's it's different just because this goes back to even longer than what most other people have, you know, in their coaching relationships, you know. So um, so let's jump into some real specific Newell Fonda stuff. 
and um, you kind of gave away at least one part of what I wanted to ask you about. So, but I won't hold that against you. So, okay. uh, I, I won't dock your pay, your your commission from this. <laughs> so, um, I want to lead with this. And you're in a unique situation. You talked about that you were hired as a social studies junior high social studies teacher, uh, but since then you have. Uh, I don't know if graduated is the right term. You you have changed your job description to you are the uh, K through eight principal at Newell Fonda, and yep. as an administrator, um, not only are you dealing with your day to day stuff, but you're hiring teachers and you're hiring coaches. Um, I wanted to to make sure I mm-hmm. asked you about this to uh, to help. Uh, coaches who are trying to get into the profession, who are trying to move up in the profession, as an administrator, you know, what are some things that you're looking for in candidates, whether it's a teaching uh, position, whether it's a coaching position, uh, you know, what are some things that you've seen in the, in the hiring process that have impressed you? You know, uh, it's interesting. I, I just spoke at BV to the um, education department the other night, um, did a presentation and really kind of covered what you're asking here um, with them. And I, I think um, first and foremost, we want to hire good people. And you know, and I think you know, good people is a very relative. It's it's, it's tough to do tangibles on that. But you know, someone that shows empathy, cares about others, um, and genuinely is giving their best effort um, for the profession. You know, and I'm just going to say, like, as an administrator, um, you know, I just know you you have to give your best every day because your staff needs that, your students need that, your community and parents need that as well. And so that's what I'm looking for. And and you're also looking for, you know, the the other other things that make good teachers, you know, great teachers, you know, organizational skills, uh, you know, those um, conversational skills and, of course, uh, can they handle some of the challenges that will be thrown at them? Because uh, there's just, you know, just like in coaching, you know, the challenges are, are many. And, um, you know, the people that are willing to ask others for help if they need it, um, I think that they're the ones that get ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there anything that, you know, just so people don't do these things, what are, what are a couple of red flags that that you've seen over the years that it was like ah that's that's not good you know uh don't do that so we want to talk about the positives but i also think it's appropriate to say yeah you know you might think this is a good idea as a candidate when you're going into an interview or you're you're doing this or that um you know just what are some things that you know some people maybe have said have thought was a good idea during the interview but as an administrator it kind of worked against them you know you know I'm, I'm gonna say something that all candidates should do before they even go to the interview is make sure their social media is clean um uh-huh. you know in the, in the teaching field the students have access to anything with the internet now the parents the community um you know and if if you were enjoying a night in college and you were you know really partaking a lot of beverages or whatever and there's video clips of you doing things that probably won't represent the profession well you know take those things down you don't those things don't need to be on full display keep those as a private display somehow if if that's important to you um and i think um when candidates finally become of age to become a a teacher and 
uh, I think I think that's always an important thing to do. And mm-hmm. as far as the interview itself, um, I, I just be honest. You know, uh, everybody makes mistakes. I, I still make many mistakes. You know, I have an ongoing joke with my secretary. Sometimes it'll be seven forty-five in the morning, and I'll say, uh, "Hey, hey, Deb." Uh, uh, my perfect streak's already over for the day, so <laughs> and, uh, just uh, you know, just make light of uh, you know. We all make mistakes, but own them because that, yeah. that's how you grow. Uh, when you own your mistakes, you grow from that. And then, uh, um, you know, if you don't know an answer to a question, you know that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, we don't. We don't. There's no such thing as a perfect candidate, uh, but there is such a thing as a perfect fit. And people that recognize when they make a mistake and they own them and. Uh, you know, and learn from those mistakes and those mistakes don't happen anymore, you're going to find yourself being a very successful person. Yeah, I, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head there. I, I think the thing about the perfection, and I think that's something that we all fight, whether we're a teacher, whether we're a coach, husband, wife, father, um, you know, whatever type of job we're in, sometimes um, we put that expectation of perfection on ourselves and then when we're not perfect, um, that we, we let that, you know, lead to, to the next mistake. You know, coach Naki always used to say, you know, one mistake, two mistake. Um, he would say it with a few more vulgarities in the middle of that type of stuff. You know? <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, guys got, you know, and I, I can't go through those. Those, the, the, there wasn't a lot of paint left on the walls after those a few times, but I really think that as a, as a coach, um, you're going to make mistakes. You know, I think of a couple of things. I think of a couple of big mistakes uh, that still bother me today, um, handling a couple of situations with with players and, um, you know, just like uh, in Nebraska, I don't know what the limit is in, in Iowa, but for a long time, um, you could only, if you made it to the state tournament, you can only suit up 12 kids. And, oh. you know, it was just this arcane rule. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we would have, we would have suited up 13, 14 kids pretty regularly. And then you have an injury and, you know, there was, there was one player and I won't say her name. Um, you know, she got injured her senior year. Uh, she was a rotation player for us. Um, and, uh, she got hurt and she, we thought she was out for the year. Uh, she came back a little bit earlier than what she thought she was going to come back we make it to the state tournament, but we did, you know, and part, a big part of it is on me that, you know, I didn't communicate it very well, or I didn't talk to her and I didn't know if she was healthy or wasn't healthy and, um, you know, didn't suit her up for the state tournament. And it still bothers me today. I mean, it really yeah. does that I, that I really screwed that up. And, um, you know, that, uh, those mistakes, you, you just got to kind of learn to try and let go of them as best as you can. And, um, you know, as a candidate, as a stepping into something, you're going to have some baggage, whether you're a first year teacher, whether you've been on the job for 10 years, you're going to have positives, you're going to have negatives. And, and you've got to, you've got to allow yourself on that day-to-day basis. Or when you, when you make a mistake in practice, I'm sure you go home some days and say, I shouldn't have said this that way to Mary. I should have said it that way instead of this way. And, and those are the things that you just constantly kind of learn from and, and try to make yourself better at, don't you think? I do. And, and you know, and, and like, as you explained your situation, you know, and this is what happens when coaches start talking, it spurs up memories of situations that 
I experienced, but I, I always go back to this. Sometimes you just have to fall back on you did the best you could with the information you had at the point of time yeah. that that decision was made, and and sometimes you just have to leave it at that. And I and unfortunately, um, in our business, people's feelings do get hurt from time to time. And you know, I I just know over the years, you know, we can suit fifteen for the state tournament and. We can only have a travel party size of 23, and that's including coaches, statisticians, and whatnot. Yeah. And um, so sometimes a, a tough decision has to be made, or um, we have to find ways to, you know, solve those types of issues. Because Get the last thing you want to do is in a, in a truly positive experience for everyone, the community, is hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. And uh, un- unfortunately, you know, we, we can't sue 25 kids. We can't have a travel party of 60 or bring you know, you know, four busloads of people down for free. It doesn't work like that. But, um, I just, that's why I just hope people understand, like, this is just a a beautiful moment in time. Let's celebrate. Let's not pick apart the the few things that might be, um, you know, big to you and emotionally, but it's still a celebration of a wonderful event that took place. And and that's, Mm -hmm. that's where I usually leave my mind is like, you know what? Everybody here just needs to appreciate the beauty of all your hard work has led us to this point in time with these set of experiences, and and that that's what makes me think of that when yep. you tell that story. Yep. Another unique thing I wanted to talk to you about, and and uh, I got to witness this firsthand. I thought it was really unique, and and you know if I'm letting too many secrets of the great and powerful Oz. If we're going behind the curtain too much on this, you know, you feel free to to edit your response as much as you would like your coacher. Um, okay. But um, you let me, um, you know, hang out uh, with the with the team for like a full game experience, you know, before the game, during the game, after the game, in the locker room, behind the bench, that type of stuff. Um, I, I, I think I scared the snot out of one of your managers because I kept asking her questions you know, about Newell Fonda, and, and I think I think she was tired of me about halfway through the second quarter, so you might want to apologize <laughs> to that gal. But uh, I thought it was um, the way your kids were locked in to compete um, was, was very unique, and what you have set up before the game was very purposeful. You, you could see that, and I know that's you know, if slash when I get back into it, I'm definitely borrowing some of those things that that you were um, gracious enough for me to kind of take a look at. Uh, but you 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 could tell that that this is the way we do things and and how we do it. Um, you know, from the music to how everything just went. You know, uh, if you could for our listeners, kind of go through your. Uh, your step-by-step getting ready to step out onto the floor uh, and how you handle that, because I thought, I thought you just handled that magnificently, you know, and, and, and you guys played really well the night I went up to watch you play last year. Uh, but that wasn't by accident. I know that, that there was a reason for that, you know, and even if you wouldn't have played as well as you did that night, it still would have been awful impressive uh, with what you guys did. So if, if you would be willing to go through that, um, as much as you're willing to go through with it, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. You know, uh, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, I think one thing I learned from a softball coach is routine. I mean, I think all coaches have their routines, what they like to do before a game and whatnot. 
softball, we always did an hour batting practice and um, fielding practice um, every day, no matter what. Cause I, I look at that like you have, you know, 40 games in softball. That's 40 times you can swing a bat and whatever. So for me, the pregame starts when school ends, and we're gonna we're gonna do a walkthrough and a shoot around. Um, just you know, we probably walk through the scouting report the night before a little bit, but we're gonna refresh some of the key um, components of that night's matchup. Um, talk about the key things, how we want to guard certain scenarios. Same thing that you know most coaches do. We'll do our shoot around. But at that time, I'm I'm basically trying to capture their mind to to take away from whatever drama unfolded at school. Maybe you know maybe someone had a you know, a disagreement with someone, they're, they're emotionally charged one way or the other. Teenager and stuff. just let them know that, hey, it's time for this. And I don't remember if there was a JV game that night when you came. Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, so a lot of times on our home games, the JV usually plays uh, prior to. Uh, you'll see the team that's sitting on varsity will watch JV play. They'll, they'll go, go out, they'll go eat. And then when um, it's locker room time, you know, every year – the girls are to create a playlist of songs that they wanted to play that get them fired up. And I'm just going to tell you, the songs they pick now don't fire me up as much as the songs I liked when I was 18, 19 years old. I don't even, I can't relate to it. But when Coach walks in, they have a song that is for to get coaches fired up. And uh, um, I know one year we had Imagine Dragons, whatever it takes, and uh, um, last year's song. I, I can recognize the song by sound, but not by name, because, again, related to today's music is uh, probably not one of my specialties. But then we'll, we'll go through the, the game expectations. A lot of the kids will have the scouting reports in their hand as we're going through things. Um, and, and, again, I don't expect kids to memorize them. It's a tool. It's, it's something that is useful if they want to spend time looking at it. Um, but... I know when I was a younger coach, you'd want them to memorize everything. And I'm like, well, that, that's kind of counterintuitive. Um, they don't need to memorize things. You just need to know how to play and how we want to guard situations. And then um, after that, the girls will huddle up. Uh, some years they'll, they'll say a team prayer without the coaches or they'll do something um, to get them ready for the game. And then uh, girls will take the floor. And I just always tell them, uh, as soon as you step on the floor – you need to make sure the other team knows you're there with how hard you work and just coming at it with the right mind frame and intensity. And, and like our, our pregame warmups are very intense. Um, they need to go through the, the, the routine that we have with, um, you know, great effort and intensity. Cause I, I tell them, I want you to sweat before we start the game. I, I want, I want them sweating um, in the pregame warmup. Cause it, I think that's a great way to loosen up and get your mind ready for, the challenge of the night and then uh then we, we go through the game stuff um and i, I don't know did you want the halftime and post game stuff as well whatever you're comfortable with or, whatever you're comfortable with sharon i thought it was all terrific stuff you know i think uh um you know i want i want things to be you know regiment so at halftime you know we're just going to talk about and I, I ask them the same things every every game you know what's going well out there what's What's something we need to get better at? What aren't we doing as well? And, and I always want to talk in terms of positive. I don't want to say, you know, the, you know, all the negative stuff. What do we need to work on? What do we need to do a better job of? You know, sometimes it might be rebounding or we're turning the ball over a little too much. And, 
And uh, so we'll talk about those things. A lot of times it's only a, a two-minute conversation because here's, you know, and I, I don't know if the listeners know this, but uh, I, I got a major in psychology when I was in college too, and uh, that was a field that always fascinated me. But um, in these pressure moments, kids can't remember more than two things. Adults can't remember more than two things. So I always try to highlight two things. Whenever I have a timeout, a quarter break, we're going to focus on two things that I think that we need help with or Coach Larson or Coach Darrell will throw out things that we need to be focusing on. And um, I don't want them thinking about eight things because the body can't master eight things at one time, but you can master two things. Um, and so we, we talk about that. Uh, they'll come out and shoot their uh, halftime routine. Usually they partner up. And I, I used to think they, they're supposed to be making five or missing three, whatever happens first. And they, they kick the ball to somebody else. And um, then we'll go to our second half in the post game. Again, the same thing. We uh, always talk about um, the things that we did well and the things we need to get better at. And, and I'll even tell them things like, all right, so, you know, I'm going to have to get, ready, get us ready for practice tomorrow. What things do we need to add into it? And, um, and they'll tell me those things. So, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a good routine. And then um, that's usually when after the, the boys' game's done because we're going to support the boys. Uh, you know, c- Coach and I will <clears throat> break down game tape, do the stats, and um, jot down the things that we notice. Because, you know, one thing I think a lot of people don't recognize is, you know, the speed of the game, it takes a very trained eye to catch everything. And, you, and no coach will ever catch everything during the game. But when you watch the game tape and you can slow it down and stop it, uh, you, you start seeing like, oh, my goodness, I, I see why that happened now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and you can understand, make more sense of what actually went on during the game. Cause, I mean, we play at a, a very fast pace. And, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that uh, we're seeing the things and teaching things the right way. If I come up next year, could I get like an honorary like Duran Duran song or or some Guns N' Roses when, when I walk in the locker room? You know, if 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 it's one of the songs that gets coach the coaching staff fired up, heck yeah, we could do that. Okay, all right. I mean, if they're playing something for Larson, they'd have to play like Bing Crosby or something like that. That's that's what was on when when. when <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know if he agrees with that, but uh, I'm gonna chuckle at that though. Oh, uh, maybe maybe like a. I don't know, three dog night or something like that. Maybe I won't age him that badly, you know. So, <laughs> um, no, it was impressive. I wish, I wish um, other coaches would have the opportunity to see what you do in that situation, uh, just the beginning to the end, and and you you've just done a masterful job of of getting your kids. Uh, locked in ready to go um ready to compete but to compete with 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 honor with integrity um you know i loved uh the way your kids would react because you guys you know you're up and you're pressing we're going to get into that here in a little bit uh you know pressing and getting after people full court and you're going to get some fouls called on you and your kids are physical and sometimes they're going to think it's ticky tack but it you know it it probably is the right call Uh, you know uh, but your kids just play your kids just play. You know how? What are some things that that you know? You're talking about the game day mental preparation and your your psychology uh, degree. Uh, you know what are some other things that you do? Uh, and these are you know 
you know, we've talked about this as well, but just for our listeners, um, just how do you coach the mental game with your kids? Because I think you do just a, a, a tremendous job with that as well. You know, uh, kids that play with confidence um, will perform at a higher level than kids that aren't playing confident. And so I think the best way to build confidence is, A, playing the game. Make sure that you're using um, words that the kids understand and you're teaching them the skills that they actually need to be successful so that when you put them in those pressure situations, there's no doubt in their mind whether they can do it or not. And um, so, like, we set up our practices, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, if you've ever get a chance to see our practice, I mean, it's, it's every minute, every player, every single day is important. You know, if I look at practice and see some kids not working on a skill to get better, I've now just shortchanged them and shortchanged the whole program. And, you know, I think uh, one advantage we have being a small school is, you know, I have my entire program in the gym. You know, uh, mm-hmm. most years we have between 16 and 20 or 21 players out for basketball. And I have everybody in that gym. And, and with three coaches, every kid is expected to be doing something uh, I'm not a big fan of standing around and wasting time. We're developing skills and knowledge so that they're confident with their ability um, every single night uh, when, when we put them in tough, tough situations so that they know their job. The other thing that our kids know is I'll get on them for, for basically two things only, if their effort isn't great or if their attitude's not great. Um, again, on game night, do kids make mistakes? They do. Uh, I'm not going to belittle them. We're just going to, a lot of times we, with our sub patterns that we do, I'm just going to pull them out um, in a normal sub pattern so that they're not second guessing. You know, our, we, we have a very patterned sub system. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll just send them down, hey, you know, Sally, come here a sec. What'd you, tell me what you saw there. Why'd you make that decision? You know, and so it's a conversation about what they saw versus, you know, you should have threw to the other team, you know. Yeah. Um, and so. <laughs> Uh, like basically it's a conversation about that so that, you know, beating them up about a mistake, you can't change it. And so as a coach, I feel like it's my job to, to coach them through that and teach them that, all right, this is what you saw. This is what I saw. Maybe the next time, um, you know, we make a different choice in that same situation. And, and that I think is how you build uh, strong, confident players. And, you know, little things like, uh, you know, I, I talk to our players a lot about, you know, if you if you miss a couple shots on the outside, and, you know, the same stuff every coach teaches. Well, then you probably want to go inside or try to get the free throw line. Uh, but that's beat them up for that. You know, a missed shot's going to happen. Uh, you know, the, the highest percentage shooters in the in the world still miss shots, and that's part of the game. Yeah. I don't recall missing a shot in my career. I mean. Well, that's. That's because you and I, uh, we, got, we got a lot of splinters in our playing days. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, I don't know how much we want to go into that right now, but I no, guess no, I... No, we'll, we'll, save, we'll save that. Yeah. But, you know, I think... Um, you do hold a record. points where we got to see the game, I think we learned a lot about it. <laughs> well, I know you hold the record for uh, perhaps the fastest foul out in uh, Sheldon Community High School boys basketball history I, uh, yeah that, that, that comes <laughs> up in conversation every now and then I was a determinedly aggressive player <laughs> yeah 
yeah, you, you know, I, I think determined would be uh, would be uh, an understatement, you know. But uh, you know, that's that's stuff that uh, just happens, and you and you learn from it. I, I I think that looking back on some of those things, um, you know, helped me as a coach. Um, you know, walking not a mile in their shoes, but you know, a few steps in their shoes, and um, you know, I think that uh, you know. You know, holding kids accountable, uh, and like you said, you know, at, attitude and effort. You know, those are the two things you're gonna get on them. Um, I, I think that's that's so vitally important. If I had a nickel for every time, you know, the times I've been around you with when you're coaching your teams, um, if I had a nickel for every time you said, uh, you know, what did you see there? You know, that I can tell that's a constant phrase that you use with your kids, and I think it's a great way to get your point across without being demeaning or uh like you said taking away their confidence um you know and it gets them to think uh and and they you know but it you don't come off as the bad guy you know if or not necessarily the bad guy but you're not attacking them it's just hey what are you seeing there okay i didn't see it that way um you know, I think that's a masterful use of the language that you uh, that you have there with your kids. Yeah, and and, and it is effective because um, again, we're on the same team. It's not like you know I need somebody to feel bad about something, and it starts affecting their play and the play of their teammates. I just want them to just recognize that maybe we could make a better decision in that situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, talk. You, you you were talking about your practices. You know, uh, describe for our listeners if they're coming into the gym at Newell Fonda, you know, what's the practice going to be like there? What's a, what's a typical look like? What's your structure look like? Um, how, how's everything, uh, organized there? Um, you know, just so folks can, can get an idea of, of how you do things. You know, uh, in our situation at Newell Fonda, we're, we're fortunate. We have three gyms. So we've got the junior high in a gym. Um, and then we have the, our competition gym and we share that with the guys. Um, so we might have to be in the small gym. And so depending on which gym I do different, different drills, but, uh, um, you know, one phrase that the kids know if, 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 if there's a, a favorite phrase that the kids will throw back at my face sometime is if you're 10 minutes early, you're never late. Um, when if practice starts at three 30, everybody knows that they should probably be in the gym ready to go at three 30, not, not walking in and need your, to tie your shoes to get your ankle taped or, um, you know, of that nature. But uh, we start right away with, uh, with our warm-up. Um, we'll, we'll do various shooting drills to start. Um, after we get a good warm-up, and we'll do, like, what I call C-cut layups, cutter layups. Uh, we'll do some spot shooting, form shooting, um, and then some shooting off cuts or shooting off screens. And uh, we work on those things for about – you know, five or seven minutes each day. And I, and I rotate in about, you know, 10 different drills. Um, and one thing about me, I don't like to do a, a ton of new drills. I listen to the other three podcasts. I do love listening to other coaches speak. And if there's a drill I can pick up at a clinic, um, I'll put it in um, if it fits our system. But if it's just a fun drill to do that doesn't really fit our system, we won't do that. Um, mm-hmm. And plus, it, it takes a lot of time. I'm a time guy to keep teaching new drills. So, um, we, we do a lot of similar drills, but we focus on different things with those drills and the kids get really comfortable and confident in those drills. And I, I, lead, I think that leads to more confident players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we'll go into our, 
one-on-one full-court defense zigzag drill where we teach kids how to funnel a basketball that's being dribbled. Um, Then we'll go into our press mode. And one thing about how we do our system is is, it's a parts hole theory. If if you can't, you got to be able to teach everything what it it looks like one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, and we'll just keep building until we get to five-on-five. We do our offenses, half-court defenses, full-court defenses with those theories. Um, And I think the the nice thing about breaking it down into two-on-two or three-on-three, you can see right there if the kid really understands the concept. So let's say we're talking about, um, you know, a a pick-and-roll play, how we want to defend the pick-and-roll. Let's say we want to hedge and recover. Well, you can see right there if a kid um, can can do it or not. And five-on-five, I don't think kids always understand the the concepts um, as it pertains to the whole team. So we really – do a good job of teaching that individual aspects, and then we'll apply it to the team game. Um, but so we'll do uh, press and transition offense for the first half hour practice, and then we'll go into our um, half court defense mode. We do half court defense every single day. Um, we do presses every single day. Um, hey, w- real quick, real quick, um, you're, you're talking about doing press and transition work stuff early. Is is that a pretty good uh, does that help you as as the head coach? Does that kind of give you an early indicator of where we're at and we're going to get the blood flowing right away here? Um, uh, that That's kind of the first thing that pops into my mind there is, you know, hey, let's get ready to go at it right right away, real early. Is that, yeah. is that part of the process or part it of the, is, part it, of the it, philosophy? And capturing their mind like, you know what, I just want, I, I want the other team to know as soon as we step in the gym, you're going to get pressed. Yeah. And, uh, and even that the, I've had some teams that weren't as good in the full court press and then, then we'll, we'll taper it off, but we still press and practice every night. Um, you know, a, uh, it, it's, it's just a basic foundation of our program. And then again, some teams that, you know, maybe the press isn't as advantageous. We'll tweak our looks and maybe do more contain or do something like that. Uh, if we, if we want to talk about some strategy a little bit later, but, um, but I'm just saying like, I want that mind frame. Like, we're going to go intense. And, you know, in the high school game's 32 minutes long. So, right there, uh, if, if you can handle the press work and the transition work for 32 minutes, well, game night's going to seem easy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you that because you talk about, you know, a lot of folks will build and build and build to to that eventually, and they might get to the press and transition stuff towards the end of the practice. But it sounds like you're throwing it out there early, um, especially yeah. as the season goes along. Yeah, we'll, uh, and, and again, we do that every single night. Um, and then, uh, you know, then like the half-court defense, because, you know, when two even teams play, you know, and let's say press and transition cancel each other out, teams can't gain an edge there. Uh, games are, big games are generally won on the half-court offense and half-court defense. And, uh, and so... You know, because I mean, for example, if you're playing a team that can handle your press, your press is going to be the difference maker and why you win that game. But uh, a lot of times when two evenly matched teams play, when all factors cancel each other out, it's going to come down, can you score an extra bucket than they can, or can you stop them one extra time? So that's why uh, we'll spend a lot of time on the defense next. And, you know, how we do things uh, with defense, we're also working on our offensive fundamentals at the same time. Um, you know, if we're going to funnel kids to their left, uh, 
we'll work on some of our offense from from that vantage point. So a lot of times, uh, one coach will be really focused on defense, which usually is me, and then another coach will be working on the offense. Then our third coach, Coach Darrow, will probably be working with a group of kids on the other end of the floor, uh, trying to do different things. So um, that's kind of how we structure that. Of course, we always um, transition to different shooting drills, skill drills, and then, you know, I, I think uh, another phase of our practice that we do is turnover reduction. It's kind of how I, I put it in a category, you know, where you do like your three-man weaves, you do your jump stop pivot drills, your full court cutaway and comeback drills, and trapping and breaking trap drills that just really what I call are what you need to do to make sure that you can handle the basketball in tough situations. Um, and then we will tend to end practice with special situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our kids really like that. You know, a lot of times I'll put, we'll play, we'll play one minute games. Um, and every night I mix up, uh, which uniforms the kids are in. So our practice jerseys are blue and white. So we'll have a blue group, a white group, and then we have pennies like that are red. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll mix up the kids in different groups and we'll play like one minute games. One team's down three, um, and just play it up that way or, um, put the delay game in or put our um, different offensive sets in that we want for um, last-second situations. So um, that the kids are learning those things throughout the entire season, and, and we keep refreshing them too. So uh, that that's kind of how we do it, and, and I think the, the best thing is there's, there's a lot of comfort and confidence comes by doing things similar every day. Do you think – as good as your kids have been with with pressuring the ball, uh, that has also really really helped you um, with your offensive fundamentals. Because if you don't learn how to handle it fundamentally, just in practice, you're not going to look very good in practice. And I think that's uh, a great way to uh, to make your kids be fundamental is by cranking up the defensive intensity in practice. Don't you think? Oh. Absolutely, and I think, uh, you know, getting kids to be able to read the floor, you know, and read, uh, you know, a lot of our offenses, basic motion, read and react to what the defense is doing, and um, being able to read those scenarios, and, and I think that's the biggest edge that uh, uh, someone that's been in our program, like a senior for four years versus a, a freshman or a sophomore, is those situations we've done so many times that they're just reading them naturally. And, it, and again, it looks like on game night that we're not even coaching the kids because they're making good reads. But it comes through, you know, three and a half, four years of these type of practices that are getting them ready for those types of situations and games. So describe a drill, you know, where you're – and you've brought this up a couple of times where uh, here's here's where we're trying to attack, here's the counter, here's the, you know, this type of thing. What's, what's, a, what's your favorite drill – uh, if you could describe that to to uh, to our listeners, that how you you teach that because I do think your kids do a uh, just a tremendous job of of just playing ball, but you know that's been taught how to read and react to those situations. So, what's your favorite drill or two that you have that that gets your kids to that point? You know, one one of my favorites is uh, we call it five on five on five, and so. Uh, I'll put each coach in charge of a group of kids. And, and again, it's not necessarily varsity, JV, in the next five. I'll, I'll mix and match because we expect our kids to um, be able to handle all situations. And so um, 
you know, because since we usually play eight, nine kids every night um, in our rotations, uh, they got to learn how to play with different players. But if I'm working on really focused on just chemistry, maybe our chemistry is not quite where it needs to be, then I will definitely put like our five starters or mm-hmm. the next five um, in similar groups so that they get a chance to play with each other more. But in this five on five on five, it's full court. So um, just for lack of better words, let's say that you're coaching the blue team, I'm coaching the white team, and Coach Smith or whoever is coaching the red team. Um, when my team scores, I got to take it out against um, the blue team. There will be pressing up until half court, and whereas the next five is waiting. So this eliminates all transition, but it forces the kids to have to read the floor. So they can't just throw the ball up the floor for grabs because then someone will be taking it right back at them. So, um, so basically, you're five on ten because the, the group waiting on the end of the floor, they can't cross half court, but they're waiting for a bad pass because of the full court pressure that's being applied by your group. Now, where the coaching comes in, so let's say – your group scores, you're going to attack Coach Smith's group on the other end. I'm going to quick tell my kids, all right, um, defensively this time, let's run a 2-3 zone, disguise it, make it look like a man-to-man. And then uh, um, in an offense, we'll call a set. So maybe you'll run a, a two-high set or a horn set um, and run a certain play when they get to offense on the other end. And meanwhile, the coaches are continually doing this, and we'll play for like seven, eight minutes, um, and you know, or – until a team gets a seven points, a lot of times that's how we do it. And um, they just flat out get after it. They hate losing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's one of my favorites. And, it, and it's teaching everything that we've talked about, read and react. So um, you have to recognize what defense your team's in. And I know when you start playing the good coaches and they're making uh, great adjustments or they're trying to throw something at you that um, our kids will just be ready for because we're doing drills like this in a lot of our offenses are designed for man or zone um, as long as the kids get to the right spot. So mm-hmm. um, so that, that's kind of one of our favorites um, that we do to get them ready for those situations. Do you ever play that, like, with uh, with no out-of-bounds? You do that five-on-five-on-five, five on five, but play it with no out-of-bounds and make it even more chaotic? You know, uh, I have not. And the only thing I, I get worried about is a kid running into a wall. That's the, that's the only thing. I wouldn't want somebody getting hurt yeah. uh, doing that. Cause like I said, our, I don't like when our kids fly into the bleachers and those yeah. types of things. But, but yeah, that would have a lot of chaos. Yeah. that was uh, We would do that from time to time. When I really wanted them to be aggressive, we would just say, you know, we, we, we would have a drill like that or a three-on-one plus two. Uh, but we would play with, with no out-of-bounds on a loose ball or that type of thing, you know, just to – get them aggressive, get them attacking, you know, just like you said, make it known that, you know, we're going to be, we're going to really get after you, the, you know, the entire 94 by 50 uh, here tonight. And just to, to teach that attitude of just continually looking to attack the ball and and that type of stuff. So just a thought, I didn't know if you had done that before or, you know, you know, um, experiment with it. And if it works, you know, I'll take credit for it, and if it doesn't work, you know, tell him it was Larson's idea or something. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll like that. Yeah, uh, he'll appreciate that. A um, couple more things. Um, scouting. You know, you talked a lot about scouting and and um, you know putting stuff in front of the players. Um, you know, what are some what are what are some 
you know, what are two or three things that you look for overall um, when you're getting when you're scouting somebody? Maybe a couple things that you're looking for specifically on offense. A couple things you're looking for specifically on defense, just to help your teams prep and get ready uh, night in and night out. You know, I, I think first of all, scouting um, with huddle. Huddle has been a, a lifesaver for coaches. Um, you know, uh, it's also been a million dollar and, idea in literally. Oh, have you ever exactly. seen the building they have in Lincoln? Have you have you What's been that? have you seen their building that they have in Lincoln in downtown? I have not. You come down to Omaha sometime, and and we'll go check it out. And we, we've got quite a few kids from Scott that actually work down there. I would love to go inside. Really? It's it's huge. It is massive. They built a whole. It's got to be five or six stories, um, and it's just it's all huddle. It's it's all huddle. So uh, it oh, I'd is. Love to see that. Yeah, you know we'll. we'll uh, if, if we get a chance to do that, because, you know, with, with Michael being down at school down there and we can go maybe down and catch a number, you know, just, you know, and you're you're a little bit more cramped for time than, than I am now these days. But if, we, if we're if we afforded that opportunity, we, we should we should think about doing that. So, uh, oh, absolutely. That'd be pretty but cool. But, no, uh, back to your question. Uh, when, when I scout, um, I guess the big things I take note of, you know, individual tendencies of players, um, what – what they're trained to do and then of course in my mind I'm trying to figure out all right how do we slow that down or uh disrupt that and then their offense um you know key sets that they like to run or you know and and teams kind of start falling into different types of categories are they a, a strictly a set team are they a motion team a cutter team or um and so then you know I look at those things and defensively how to create problems for um, their defense, and I know, like, uh, you know, like these teams that play a lot of zone, you know, you might have to scheme a little bit differently than if they were playing uh, true man to man. And, and of course, uh, you know, if you play similar opponents over the years, I spend quite a bit of time looking at their press breaks, what they're trying to do uh, with the players and personnel that they have, and and try to identify players that maybe, uh, you know, maybe they don't handle the ball as good as maybe somebody else. And, you know, and how can we force turnovers that way? So I guess when it comes to scouting, um, my scouting report, I usually do a player profile on the front page, uh, put quick stats, which is another lifesaver in Iowa. Um, coaches are mandatory, have to put their stats into the quick stats program so you can keep track of stats. Mm-hmm. I know that's awesome for parents, fans, the media um, to do that. So I'll put that on the second page, and then I'll draw up their, their offensive sets and press breaks on the – the next couple pages of scouting report and talk about what they want to do. So that's basically uh, my scouting report in a nutshell. Yeah. For, for your kids, it's, it's probably a lot of less is more for them. Here's, here's the bullet points, you know, you and, and your staff, uh, you know, the, you have a lot more in, in your, in the back of your head, but here's what you, here's the bare essentials that what you guys need to know. Now just go out and play. You know, and, and just liken it to a, a good teacher in the classroom. You know, you have a plan, but you know what? You're going to go over that plan. You're going to practice it, um, and, and we do, and we do our scouting and practices. Uh, you know, we're going to, you know, actually, you know, knowing who's on my early schedule, we start putting some of that stuff the first couple of days of practice, you know, like how to stop a cutter offense or a flex offense if we see um, those types of things early. How do you stop a um, flex offense? What's that? How do you stop... 
How do you stop the Let's I can't reveal all my secrets right now. Yeah, I know. We're, we're the we're the only people that are laughing at this right now, but we're just we're just yeah, we'll just go from there. Sorry. We'll just we'll just leave it that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we we've lost everybody at this point, so. Yeah, that, that's that's okay. If, yeah. if they wanna, um, if if they're still know, here after an hour and a half, and maybe they can find the inside scoop. Yeah, you know, if they're still here after an hour and a half, they can deal with thirty seconds of stupid here. So. Uh, there you go. But go ahead. You were you were saying about cutters and 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 stuff, and you were putting that in. Yeah, you know, because when we started doing our basic um, defensive breakdown drills, we're we're working on defending those types of things right from the first few days of practice. So, so like I said, when we go to scouting report mode. Then it's just all review. Like, all right, they like to run their cutters this way or run off screens this way, and, and so that that's kind of how we um, teach that in. But I don't want the the practice before the game to be the first time that they get exposed to a, a challenging defensive situation. Yeah. One last thing here. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your staff and the and the people. You know, we we talked about the the folks that you had worked for uh, with Coach Luce and and Coach Mask and and them, but. I, you, you know, you've got a couple of people that have you give a whole lot of credit to as well, and 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 rightfully so. I know you wanted to talk about uh, those folks a little bit. So, you know, uh, any successful head coach can't do it by themselves. Will not do it by themselves if they're if they're smart. Uh, but you're lucky to have uh, a couple of really good people that 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 really helps you out as well. So, you know, uh, you know, I I love my junior high coaches. Uh, they've done a a wonderful job and, and you know I I guess you know I, I know some coaches want their program instilled in the junior high I mean I want aspects of our program because they're going to be playing that system in high school uh, but if, if they don't feel comfortable doing that that's okay um, I have great parents at Dual Fonda who are just passionate about basketball and when they coach youth teams they're not afraid to ask me questions um, you know or or, you know, and, and there's nice I'll come in and help with mm-hmm. a practice with a, with a younger group if, if there's that. But, but the only thing I really talk about those guys is, you know, if you teach them fundamentals, the skills, and the knowledge of the game, they're going to always be fine um, just because I, I just want them playing. Um, so, but the, the, I'm just really, really fortunate that in our community, that's, you know, people, people honor that. And I know when, you know, of course, Kiera, she's in eighth grade, and, you know, Trey's in sophomore, and I coach their groups um, throughout the years. And you go to a Saturday tournament, and a team might run everything through one kid, you know, like in sixth grade. And yeah. I, I just remember watching youth football, and they always gave the ball to the fastest kid when I'm running around end, and then they feel like they have a great football team. But in high school, it doesn't work like that. Exactly. Um, I just I just keep telling our parents, you know what? The more you build up the team, and, and yeah, it's awesome you have a kid that can score twenty points in a game. Um, but you know, if you can build the team and give everybody chances to score and uh, play hard on defense, they're going to always be in a good program, um, and that that rewards that. And you know, and that's where uh, at Dual Fonda we've been really blessed. Yeah, and a lot of times the best kid in sixth grade might not be playing by the time they're a sophomore in high school. You know. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I, I know, uh, I get asked sometimes to the, you know, 
should kids be doing AAU? Should be maybe playing tournaments every weekend? And, and, you know, I think the answer is different for everybody. But I just know, Marty, when you and I grew up, I think I can remember going to one Saturday tournament. But I do remember in high school playing in Archer, Iowa, once the weather got a little bit cold, yeah, we play every Sunday. Yep, we play every Sunday in Archer for four or five hours. All the high school guys would get together. I mean, there'd be days there'd be twenty, twenty-five kids in that gym. Yep, just waiting for their turn to play. And um, I don't know if kids do that as much now, um, but things are more organized now. So I mean, there's some there's some pros and cons to those types of things. Well, I think that you know it's it's different, you know, and and we're we are the parents of the generation. Uh, both of us, who uh, our kids are, my kids are a little bit older than your kids, but you know, um, very similar in that, um, the you know the kids have everything organized for them. You know, uh, we had the calling tree, and uh, hey, you know what, Archer Gym's going to be open at one o'clock on Sunday afternoon, and everybody drives out to Archer, and uh, you know, or. Um, you go to Village Northwest on a Wednesday night and you play for a couple hours or something like that, or, you know, God forbid you actually played outside on the blacktop, you know, and, well, and, and did, and did and that I stuff. I remember, because I know, like, you know, my kids are getting to the age where they like to go out and stuff a little bit, but, like, I remember, you know, we could only go out two nights on the weekend mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and a lot of times, one of those nights, we end up at um, someone's house playing basketball. We'd end yep. up at Central Courts playing basketball or yep. East Elementary playing basketball. Yeah. And there'd be, that's, that's what a lot of the guys in our class was doing yeah. when they had free time. Well, and and I think what that taught us was, you know, you called your own fouls. You you picked your own teams. If, if you had a complaint, if you had an issue with somebody, you dealt with it right there. There there wasn't, you know, a, you know, social media ghosting and all these other words that I don't know what they mean, you know, but I, I you know, I, I think that that's, it's different, you know, and I think there's positive to come from it, you know, uh, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, you know, with, with the situation that our kids are in, they've played a lot more. They, they know how to handle big games much better than, than we did, you know, at that time period, you know, you'd probably get more nervous because we hadn't been in that situation nearly as much or you're playing for a, a championship uh of, of this or that or the other thing uh but at the same time i think sometimes with our kids today oh oh it's just it's just another game you know um our games growing up in the 70s and 80s and you know that type of thing um the games that we did play the organized games that we got to play those were special occasions uh it wasn't just another thing that you had to do it was something that you kind of look forward to and um you know so i i think it's six of one it's half a dozen of another um i'm not saying that way was i'm not gonna say you know back the way we used to do it that's the way we should still be doing it because that'd be stupid you you have to constantly evolve and change and try to do things better but i also think that there's uh there's got to be a balance to how much of that change comes into play you know don't you think I do, and I, and I think there's another factor with today's generation, and, and I love this. I, I mean, the video games. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll sit down and play a, a game of NBA 2K with Trey, and he's exposed to, you know, numerous scenarios, and he's, re- he's, he's changing his plays, and it's just like, you know what? I know when we were in high school, 
Tecmo Super Bowl came out. Yes. You know, you, you had eight plays. I don't know if you remember that game. Oh, God, had, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to have tournaments playing that yeah. game. I'm just like, um, but basketball was always kind of behind in the video game world. Yep. But, yep. you know, they they are. And then, of course, through social media and, you know, back on the farm, we had four channels. We didn't get ESPN to, to, to see sports and that kind of stuff. But, Absolutely. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, our kids do have some definite advantages in some of those areas. Well, and you were talking about places to play. You know, the Jungers farm, the half court with the nine and a half foot uh, rim. You know, there was there was some uh, there was some blood drawn a few times out on those courts as well. And you know, and that just and and there wasn't like you said there wasn't you know for better or worse. And some and sometimes it was not good. Um, that there wasn't adult supervision and, and things would get out of hand, you know. But yeah. you live and you survive and you and you grow you from it. You mean like the time uh, Fred's, Fred's truck got dented? I was not responsible for that, you know. No, uh, someone kind of got uh, thrown into Fred's truck and there was a big dent in the – Fred was not very happy about that. But I'm hoping Fred doesn't listen to podcasts and find out who actually did that. But anyway. I, I'm guessing um, – that that damage to that Junger's car, he that he should not worry about that one because I know there's at least one situation where there was a grill that had to be welded back onto the front of a Junger's car, but we won't go into the details as to no, no, how or why that happened. For those but, yeah, yeah, that's not for public consumption, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I think you're right though. I think that there's you know sometimes I wish um, the kids today. You know, hey, we'll give you the facility for the tournament. But, well, you know what? You guys pick your teams, and you guys call your own fouls. And, you know, we'll keep score. Um, but you guys kind of figure it out a little bit more. And kind of have that balance between here's something that's organized and here's something that's not organized. And just to help with those leadership skills. Because sometimes I think as, as adults, we do it out of love. We do it out of... Uh, passion for our children we want what's best for our kids but it's kind of the you know we don't you know sometimes you know obviously our our generation of parenting you know sometimes we're referred to as lawnmower parents and that we're we're moving everything out of the way and you know i was always conscientious about it of you know i'm not going to be that type of parent i really hope i wasn't you know you'd have to ask my kids to be sure but i always tried to stay out of that stuff and 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 not get involved uh, because I feel like, yeah, there's times where you're frustrated, but I know it was better for me now that I'm uh, in my mid-40s that you go through those experiences and it makes you better for the long run. It makes you grow up. It makes you think of those things, you know. And Yeah, I think I think you're spot on on that, and, um, and we all need that because otherwise, uh, you know, kids grow up later, you know, they, they when they're yeah. – move out on their own, have to make decisions and, you know, and versus maybe the previous generation where, you know, some of those tough lessons are learned when you're, you know, 16 to 20 instead of 24 to 28. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, we've got all the, all of a sudden this turned into like parent corner, like, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. We went, we went down there, but I liked it. That was, that was good. So, uh, was natural it was a natural flow it was a natural flow there we go so well dick jungers um i'm proud to call you a friend i am i am proud uh i'm so happy for all the success that you have had 
I, I wish you nothing but success. I look forward to every time we are able to get together, and obviously it's not often enough. Uh, but I have really, really enjoyed uh, this tonight. It's it's been terrific, and I and I hope that our listeners uh, will enjoy it as well. So. Um, well, thanks for having me, and uh, like I said, this, this was a blast for me. I love talking um, Newell Fonda, and I love talking sports, and of course, love talking to you. Uh, you know, we didn't even get on the, the history side of things, but that, that might be a, a show for a different occasion. Well, what type of history? Hey, we both are history teachers, right? We can go, we can go <laughs> Sheldon history, we can go um, conspiracy theory history, we, <sighs> we, can, we can talk about a lot of different things someday. I, I want people to listen. I don't, I don't want to. Oh, I, don't, oh, I think they would. Uh, I'm pretty sure they won't. Of course, the the greatest excitement of, of history class ever was, uh, I, I won't men- mention uh, which twin brother of yours was, was guilty of throwing a baseball-sized uh, wad of paper into the size of a, side of the head of our uh, one of our classmates, and a, a desk may or may not have been thrown as a result of that in the middle of class during a, a film in a history teacher's classroom. So, um, but again, I won't you mention know, twin bro- which twin brother of yours was responsible for that situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah let, let, let's leave that one alone too. <laughs> I, I, I I don't want to accuse uh, someone too much with without the evidence of of the situation. So. Uh, but hey, Dick, thanks so much. I love you, man. Uh, wish you nothing but the best. And, and, uh, I'll try to arrange, uh, some time to get up there again, uh, this winter and, and maybe try to check out a practice and a game or we'll, we'll figure something out. So, uh, Hey, that sounds awesome. And, uh, Hey, I love what you're doing here with a pen and napkin and everything so far has been pretty good. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to do and, and I just, I hope, I hope I'm able to help some people out. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, it has nothing to do with any of the other stuff other than just wanting to help people out and help people become better coaches. And if I'm able to do that, you know, then I'm really happy with the product. So, um, But we want to conclude everything tonight. We want to thank everybody that has stayed with us for uh, an hour and 45 minutes here, but it's been an awesome hour and 45 minutes. Uh, we want to thank our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, if you're needing of, in need of any chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi, 402-964-0300. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. And uh, we're getting some great people that are following us here. Uh, the statistics from the first uh, three uh, pods have been awesome. We appreciate that. Folks, pass along that information. Again, it's, it's all about getting stuff out there to help people become better. Uh, email us if you need anything at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, my name is Marty Plum. I've had Dick Jungers on here, and we hope that you've had a great night, and we hope you get something from it. Want to wish you good luck, and thank you all for listening. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Loved it. All right. Have a great evening. <laughs>